0: Welcome to the Gospel Journey Podcast. The Gospel Journey exists to help our people get into discipling relationships that are centered on God's Word and led by His Spirit. Today we are in week nine of Path Nine. I'm Jamie Trussell and joined again this week by Steve Wednesday. Good morning, Steve. Morning, Jamie. Well, excited that we are going to be finishing 2 Timothy uh, this week. It's certainly been a uh, blessing for me to study this and, and do this podcast with you, Steve. Hopefully, it's been blessing our Gospel journey. Groups as well, and let's just read these first two verses and really focus in on this idea of of Paul's call. Remember, last words, last at least recorded words, it, last chapter as we have it broken down of his last recorded words. And so these are uh, these are words we need to weigh heavily. This is what Paul is selecting as the final things I'm telling Timothy. So let's read these first two verses, Steve, and look at this idea of preaching the word. I solemnly charge. I'm in mean, Christian Standard. I solemnly charge you before God and Christ Jesus who's going to judge the living and the dead and because of his appearing in his kin- kingdom, verse 2, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Rebuke, correct, encourage with great patience and teaching. Uh, a lot there, Steve, in verses 1 and 2. Yeah.
1: <clears throat> a lot here, and Paul quickly gets to the primary responsibility of Uh, a leader in the body of Christ, of of what a disciple is to do. And he jumps right in for his last charge. What he wants Timothy to remember is this idea of preach the word. And it sounds so simple, but it's yet so powerful. And to live faithfully to that is a a life that's really transformed, that we live by the word, that we preach the word. And he's going to give, he's going to tell him preach the word, and then he's going to next Lay out how you do that. So this is important for anybody in a gospel journey group because what are you bringing people back to as you lead them to the Word of God? You're continually tethering them to that, and that's what he's telling Timothy to do. So he says, be ready in season and out of season, which is an interesting phrase, but right. I, I take that just to mean, hey, always—
0: At all times. All times. Be right. be
1: prepared. You, you do not know when— the opportunity to speak the word into somebody's life will come.
0: That's right, and <clears throat> you know, expand upon what you said, which I completely agree with. It even goes beyond if we take Second uh, Timothy chapter two verse two and overlay it onto here, where he says, "Teach others who will be able to do so uh, as well." You know, faithful men will be able to teach others also. Uh, what does that teaching? What does what does preaching the word really entail? Well, he gives some modifiers here right rebuke correct encourage Mm -hmm. rebuke correct encourage that's for every christian yeah one another in relationship church member to church member leadership to members leaders to one another i mean this does not discriminate against who should be doing this and and how we should i think what's interesting is how we should be using the bible and a lot of times we want to use it to encourage we want to use it to tell us some truth or get some good insights but it is very clear Rebuke, correct, encourage.
1: Yeah, and, and the the word he uses here, preach. You know, in our context, we think of preaching from the pulpit. That's how we use that word right. commonly. The, the The word literally translates as herald uh, right. to proclaim. That's so, good. The, so the idea is that all of us are to proclaim. So, this is for that's every right. single believer. So, some may hear this and go, "Preach the word." Well, that's for the the person who's called to the that's pulpit. Right. That's Canon's job. Yeah, N- this is speaking to all of us, and. He gives those like you just said, um, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, r- reprove. Um, that that's a pretty powerful thing that we do with the word.
0: Oh yeah, and it and this goes back to some things I, I know we've already mentioned, but uh, there's there's no reason not to repeat it because it's important. Is normal Christian living should necessarily necessarily include correcting one another's lives via the explicit word of God. That's not legalism. That's normal Christianity. It becomes legalism when, A, we start commanding people things that aren't in God's word, or, B, we attach God's love and affection to someone's or, or, or favor, earning something from God to their behavior. But, look, if I'm in a gospel journey group or a D.C. or I'm just in a, 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 a accountable relationships with other men, it should be normal Christian living that they look at the Word of God and look at my life and say, these are not adding up.
1: Yeah, and that, that's the thing about discipleship is people get close to you and you're investing in people. They're going to see some blind spots that you may have. And at times those may uh, be something that they speak into or ask questions of. And, and we sh- we naturally want to get defensive because maybe as the leader of the group we feel like we're in the seat where, where we should have – we should have, be ahead of the person that we're investing right. in in almost every area. And that's not the reality of anybody. No. There, there's, there may be some areas where the person is that's right. more mature or has more knowledge or has more experience or is better able to apply the Word to live out their faith in that area. But we're all going to have areas that we still, God is uh, working on us, shaping us, and maturing us in. Uh, back to the, when it says in season and out of season, You know, for me, I think there's a lot of times I'll prepare to teach the Word, and I'll get ready, I'll study, I'll Mm -hmm. dig in. And uh, probably a lot of our gospel leader journey leaders, that's what they're going to do. They're going to come and they're going to spend some time getting ready to uh, lead their group. But this out-of-season idea is huge in my mind, because so much of my richest, deepest, most powerful conversations I feel like happen— not when hey we've prepared to walk through this and we're doing that that yields great things but often it spins off into other questions that areas we need to address and that's where the ability to say hey let's look at what the word of God says about this let me pull the word of God in here really makes a world of difference in a person's life
0: well yeah and and if we even take that idea uh, and keep going with it out of season is yeah that's that's if I just think athletically in the off-season, right? you're, you're not usually doing the same type of prep as when you're going to compete in a game, but it doesn't mean you're not training. And and the only way to be ready in an out-of-season, quote-unquote, is for your life to overflow from your devotional time with God and His Word, that you're so saturated with it and are are, are, are digesting it and spending time with it that, that that's an out-of-season type lifestyle. You're not preparing for anything specific. You are just spending time with the Lord soaking in his word, which God will then, through his spirit, necessarily use to proclaim to other people. But if we don't have that coming in, it is it is it it is an impossibility to deposit it into other people. And what I love about his qualifiers, the progression here, uh, correct, rebuke, incur. We can't forget every component. Mm-hmm. There is a rebuke is, this is what's wrong. Mm-hmm. A correction is, this is what's right. The encouragement is, Remember the gospel. God loves you. He loves you right now. He doesn't love some future version of yourself more. You don't have to earn as a family. That's what makes for a really good proclamation of the truth of God is when we don't just do one of those things. And he doesn't only give us the components. He gives us the demeanor. Look what he says. Patience and teaching. Yeah. Now, why would he say preach the word and then qualify it with teaching at the end? Well, you haven't really preached a good sermon. You haven't really uh, had a good one-on-one meeting. If you don't teach for understanding, which I think what Paul's getting at here, be really patient, and look, you're not out there to impress. You're not out there to put on a show. You've done a good job when you've helped someone understand what God says, God says, not impress them with your knowledge.
1: I think the patient aspect is huge because so often we'll share something with somebody, and we've given them what we, we feel like is, you know, great wisdom directly from the Word. And if you just go apply this, then things will change. And they'll come back the next week and the next week and the next week. And, and it seems like it hasn't sunk in. And things take time often. And I think for, for God's Word to affect change in a person's right. life, we're not the ones. We, we can speak the truth of God's Word, but we can't dictate how quickly that takes hold in a person's life or how quickly that begins to see fruit in a person's life. So that's why, as as a teacher of God's Word, we're patient with people realizing, Mm. hey, we may have said this last week, keep loving that person, keep walking with that person, be patient with
0: them. Well, and it's a great point, too, because we also have to remember how patient has God been with us. Absolutely. With you and me. I mean, there there are lots of areas of, of our life that if I thought... If God thought towards me like I think towards others, he would have cut me off by now Mm -hmm. because I'm slow to learn some lessons. And again, remembering what's true of us often helps us minister with compassion towards other people. Uh, Steve, why this is so important and we want just to keep us moving through. uh, We've got to keep in mind, look at look at uh, looking at verses three and four. Why? Why does he command this of Timothy? For the time will come when people will not tolerate sound doctrine. That is just categorically true. It's categorically true outside of the church, certainly. It's categorically true inside of the church. There are professing Christians that do not want to hear what the Bible has to say on things.
1: Absolutely, and, and, and I think some of this spins right out of that idea of, of being impatient. When we're hearing the Word of God and someone's not seeing their life magically get better. They're not seeing all the the things that they feel like the Christian life should bring. They get impatient and they get itching ears and they begin to run after other things, even things that sometimes have the the label of being in the 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 Christian world like the you know the Christian self-help books and those things we have to be really careful with that. We continually come back to the word of God and that's what does its work over time. But when we get impatient, we'll rush after other things.
0: Yeah, and and what I found is people people rarely drift towards uh more difficult things. They drift towards easier things to digest, things that they have more control over, things that are more culturally accepted, you know. So uh uh, maybe there really isn't hell. Maybe God really does just save everyone. Uh, you know, things things like, is my sin that big of a deal? You know, God says he's going to love me no matter what. So, uh, you know, if, if grace increases, sin increases, then, then why is my sin such a big deal? I mean, we get in some weird places. But people rarely, you know, <laughs> choose harder routes of holiness because their ears itch for easier, more comfortable more palatable ways of living that don't marginalize them as much mm-hmm. and the reality is Jesus margin marginalizes us from culture we can't we don't live the same way or we shouldn't as the world does and, and and Paul is telling Timothy Timothy don't be surprised people that even you are ministering to will depart from what you're teaching and chase and even have you as you said Steve Christian Christian ish. Mm -hmm. type teachings, because it's just easier. It's more palatable. You know, why be challenged in God's word to change when you can just be taught God is love, do what you want to type stuff?
1: Yeah. And and that's in in verse four, he says, they'll turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. So when any um, way of living life may have some christianity sprinkled in but if it's not rooted in the word if it's not bringing us to the word as the primary source and continually pulling us back to that uh, we could be in a a place where we're starting to do this where we're starting to not listen to the truth and And, wander off
0: and not even and here's what the hard part is and this is uh, we implore all of our members to to please heed this and we got to do it ourselves steve is a lot of times uh we're pulled away by teachings that are presented from the word. Mm -hmm. It's not just that the the Bible has to be preached correctly and soundly. And if you're not in a community that's helping you check how you're interpreting scripture, that's helping you be accountable to, you can take singular verses out of the Bible and build all types of weird doctrines and those be biblical, quote unquote, because somebody got it from the Bible. They got it from a Bible verse, but, if we don't take our own devotional lives and our studying of the scriptures seriously, uh, some of us won't be able to help but to be true because some of the stuff's appealing. And if we can't discern it, not just are they talking about the Bible or are they talking about the Bible truthfully, that's going to get us in some dangerous places.
1: Yeah, and, and this idea of itching ears, I think it's, it has to with this idea of we're we know what sin is, but we're wanting something... We're wanting to head towards sin, perhaps, and we're want our ears are itching for somebody to tell us it's okay. It's okay. That's right. You can you can go that direction. That's right. It's it's, it's really not that bad. Head on that direction to place a blessing upon you heading into uh, sin that'll that'll dominate your life.
0: That's right, and that's a great point that that's in us to kind of want our sin to be endorsed. Uh, we're gonna move. Uh, I just want to look at one thing, uh, r- real briefly, verse five, and then Steve, verses six, seven, and eight. I mean, that's some of the most emotional verses in the Bible. Mm-hmm. Outside, outside of Jesus, you know, weeping over Jerusalem, Paul weeping with the Ephesian elder. I mean, this is this is soaked in sadness and emotion in verses six, seven, and eight, but also celebration. But before we get there, verse five, just a word of encouragement. He, here's what he tells Timothy at the end of verse five: Fulfill your ministry. Mm-hmm. I love that. Amen. Timothy's not called to fulfill Paul's ministry, and, and and none of us are called to fulfill anybody else's ministry. The Bible says fulfill your ministry, which it means a we all have one, right, and, and, and b asking the Spirit to discern. Okay, God, what is it that you've called me to do, me individually, and fulfill? That doesn't matter if that's different from somebody else or if it doesn't get as celebrated as someone else. Fulfill your ministry and in our gospel journey groups great question you know what have we what do we feel the spirits called us to what what unique area in serving the body of christ what unique people group or or evangelistic purposes do you think god's called you to is fulfill your ministry
1: that's a, a great point right before that he says do the work of an evangelist and i think that's a you know a clear call that for all of us um being a faithful evangelist to scatter the seed of the gospel is it it is a work. We we have to keep it before us remind ourselves of it. But I think it's fulfill your ministry, it's your gifts, your passions, how God has wired you, the opportunities he's put you in, you be faithful to herald the gospel in those those arenas.
0: Yeah, and 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 you know, we all uh, some people are gifted with evangelism. Absolutely. We all have the duty of evangelism. Yeah. Just like some people are gifted to be single, but if you're not married, you have the duty of being single. And, and so we can't pawn this off as, well, I'm not a gifted evangelist. Well, okay, well, welcome to the club, but we've got the duty of evangelism, even if we don't have the gifting.
1: Yeah, yeah. It seems like more very few people that I talk to ever say they have the gift of evangelism. I know some, and you can usually spot them pretty quickly, but it's something we're all to do. Um, as you, I've heard you say before. Hey, you want to get people feeling bad about themselves? Talk about evangelism, because right. we hundred <laughs> percent
0: conviction rate.
1: Yeah. yeah, so we're we're not saying it for that reason, but it is an encouragement that it is work. We do it, and we do it. We fulfill the ministry that God has put before us. That's so, right. uh, our evangelist work may not be to go save thousands; it's to be faithful to herald the gospel and scatter that seed and allow it to work.
0: All right, a couple things before we we we. Uh, finish up here, Steve. That I want to look at uh, in verses six, seven, and eight, especially this idea of fight the good fight. Let me read those verses though before we comment on them, just so maybe we can feel and we just imagine Paul in prison, never going to see his spiritual son again, winding this letter down, saying, for "I'm already being poured out as a drink offering." It's beautiful Old Testament image of I, I've given everything I have to give. I'm completely emptied out for the purposes of the Lord. My life is in a time for my departure is close. I have fought a good fight, I've finished the race, I've kept the faith. There's reserved for me the crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge will give me on that day. and not only to me but to all those who have loved his appearing. I can't you know I, I, there have been a couple times when I've sat down and written a letter to my wife or I remember in college writing a letter uh, to my dad. And there have been these uh, moments where you become really conscious that what you're writing is true. I mean, I remember crying when writing you know, uh, 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 writing mm-hmm. the speech I gave almost, you know, six years ago now at my rehearsal dinner about Shanna. It's just, it hits you that what you're writing is true, and it's overwhelming. I cannot imagine, like, uh, Paul's feeling that here when he writes this. Do you imagine, you know, tears dripping on the paper? He is reflecting over some 30-plus years post-conversion of his ministry before the Lord, of his relationship with Timothy, of, of all of these things uh, we can't miss that uh, emotional element when we're trying to feel what this passage is saying.
1: Yeah, and there's something very powerful and healthy about living in life, knowing that hey, we're we're going to die. That's where we're all headed. Um, and, and Paul's in that. It's it's uh, we don't know when it's coming, but Paul and some people get this get this uh, blessing and sometimes it's a difficulty, so I don't want to undermine it, of knowing that, hey, the time is near. The time is near. And that's where Paul is is speaking to his time is near. And the things he speaks, verse 7 is so powerful. And it's one of those verses so many people memorize, and I think it's because that's the aim of the Christian life. That's right. If if we, if we the Lord blesses us with 90, 100 years here on earth, how much ever we're given, that, Whenever that last day is coming, we can say, "I fought the good fight, I've finished the race, I've kept the faith," and, and that's more and more my greatest desire has been: Can I just be faithful, God? Can, can I? Turn. And and that's today. But I also know it's it's in the future. Whatever time the Lord gives me here on earth, I want to be faithful then.
0: And and look, this hit me or earlier this year. Well, I guess we're 2019 back, uh, at late. 2018 of just going and and while relatively I am young at 35 I just I sat back one day uh and I went man if I keep doing what I'm doing and I'm on my deathbed at 80 or whatever and I'm going to look back with sadness and regret in a lot of areas because I have been in spiritual autopilot I've Mm -hmm. been in autopilot with leading my family and I just went I don't want that like I don't I don't want I want to say verses like this and then be true at the end of my life not just some slap it with a Christian bumper sticker now I want it to be true and and just a word to all of our gospel journey groups is like if we don't make changes if we don't take this seriously you know the gospel is not opposed to effort. It is opposed to earning. Absolutely. It's not opposed to effort. Uh, we're not going to be able to say these with with any sense of integrity at the end of our life. And and it it's a worthwhile, though very hard and and s- sad exercise. brings some shame sometimes. I think good shame. Shame's not always bad. Paul says there's a grief that leads to godliness. It's Absolutely. okay to feel shame. You know I think we try to tell people you should never feel. It. No, you should you mm-hmm. should feel shame and should feel guilt over sin and that should drive mm-hmm. you to the cross where you realize you're loved and forgiven but you know what if anything do we need to start changing now so that we can with integrity and the wonderful peace that Paul has right here one day look back and say I did I finished the race
1: he says I fought the good fight was the you know and that that's so powerful because what you're describing there it, it's a fight you know life isn't easy You nobody ever looks and and you lose some
0: rounds just like any boxing match. you lose some rounds.
1: Nobody looks at a fight and goes, "That sounds like an easy thing." It sounds daunting. Anybody going into a fight has uh, fear in them, and there's 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 a healthy fear of I want to be faithful to the Lord. Uh, I don't want to waste this life the Lord has given me, and it's worth fighting for. And and I relate to that. I you know it's easy to hit autopilot in so many areas you know, your family, your uh even even here serving at the church, there's so many things that you can just look up and go, Okay, I'm doing the things that uh check the box, but am I really fighting for mm-hmm. uh for a fullness and a wholeness and, and and really doing those things with excellence and a deep faithfulness unto the Lord?
0: Looking in any fight, which sadly I've been in some, uh you should expect to get hit.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And life will hit us. Sin will hit us. Uh, you know, we'll we'll make poor decisions. We'll make two, we'll, but you know, at the end of fact, continue a boxing analogy. At the end of the twelfth round, by the power of the Spirit, we just want to be standing, having fought the good fight, because God's power is what's going to bring us through. But we're going to get knocked down. Uh, you know, we're going to choose sin over Jesus at times. But how do we finish? And I think that's what Paul is driving home here. Are you going to finish faithfully and and really put up the good fight along the way? Uh, it's a little bit of an obscure verse. I'm gonna jump jump down here, Steve, and, and look at one thing before we uh, uh move, and that is uh Paul says in verse eleven, all right, Only Luke is with me. Bring Mark with you. Now that's seemingly obscure unless you remember acts 13 I believe it's acts 13 when Paul and Barnabas it says have such a sharp disagreement that they didn't even work together anymore mm-hmm. that disagreement was over Mark yep it was over <laughs> Paul kicked Mark off the team because Mark quit on them on the first missionary journey and some people may think that's harsh or whatever well it's also uh plausible that that was the defining moment In Mark's life of taking the Christian life seriously. So much so that at the end of Paul's life, he doesn't name very many people, and at the end of his life he's saying bring Mark. The person that got kicked off the team all those years ago has become precious and dear to Paul. And it's a good lesson that sometimes uh, making a tough decision that may hurt someone in that moment is the very thing that will catalyze them Uh, forward and faithfulness to jesus and i think paul also knew that paul had a barnabas with him Mm -hmm. who would encourage him through that difficulty but john mark he needed to get hit in the mouth a little bit with the seriousness of following jesus and i think that that blow delivered by paul very early on maybe the very thing that caused Mark to be so precious to him later in life.
1: Absolutely. And it's it's easy and and I even have a tendency to do this in, in groups I mean, when we when people confess or talk about struggles just to hey we're okay, we're forgiven and speak things that are true, but in speaking the truth, we're doing so sometimes in a way that lessens
0: how hey, serious it is. How serious it is. Yeah.
1: And how like you need to go and fight this and go to war with this you need, to, you need to get angry at the sin and fight it. And that's what's beautiful about this. John Mark had changed, and Paul welcomes him right back in.
0: That's right. That's a beautiful— That's right. And, and, and we can't miss the encouragement piece that Barnabas would have offered to John Mark during all this. And we're not saying, you know, this is your Jesus card to just start blowing people up in your group. You have and to and be car- real different. careful with that. Yeah. But the reality is— we can't just accept everything as okay because it's not mm-hmm. and we shouldn't want everyone to accept everything that's okay uh, with us you know i was i was thankful the other day i was i was uh i had a little midday lunch with my wife and i just started venting about something i was frustrated with and and she just in a very great but poignant way highlighted you know where my pride was i needed that mhm right. and and I could have been defensive, it would have been an easy moment for me to be defensive in that. And, and, but what she was saying is, uh, I get your frustration, uh, but what you're saying you want to do in response to it, it's not okay. Mm-hmm. It's not okay. And, and that is a microcosm of Christian life and community with one another.
1: Absolutely. And, 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 we need people to speak these hard truths and love us enough. And, and you know, Paul here, he's, he says that he's a, Luke alone is with him. Uh, there's a loneliness in this. He's writing to Timothy. And he starts listing all these different people. And some of them we can, you know, piece the puzzles together and find where they were. But i tell you, I was struck. And I don't know why, but when I read verse 14, it said, Alexander the coppersmith did me great harm. The Lord will repay him according to his deeds. Uh, part of it was just that name, Alexander the Coppersmith. You know, clearly this is non-Jewish, this Greek
0: guy. But somehow... How do you feel to be that guy? The only time you're mentioned in the Bible is the Lord will repay. I you. know,
1: it's a, it's a hard thing. But that uh, made me wonder, who is this guy? What had he done to bring great harm?
0: Well, um, not only that, it had to be... <laughs> if you're mentioned in the dying letter of the Apostle Paul, something big happened here.
1: Yeah, it's it's something important. And the thing that struck me was we've all been hurt by people and for us um, those seem big and and I don't want to say they're not big but here's what he says, the Lord will repay him according to his deeds. That's right. And we have to remind ourselves and remind people that have been hurt by others, because we all have been that the ultimate one who brings justice is the Lord and we don't know always when or how that's going to look and we don't Put that in a vindictive way. It's more of a comfort that, hey, sometimes it seems like people are getting away with things. Oh, yeah. That there's, that there's never going to be any consequence, that they're just, that evil abounds and evil's ruling. And we remind ourselves that, no, the Lord's got this.
0: And uh, as he continues in that section, Paul had a, had a keen understanding that even though I'm sure those relationships wounded him, he was hurt by that, uh, angry over it. At the end of the day, we don't actually need, and and that word's key, we don't need any other relationship other than our relationship with the Lord Jesus. Verse 17, the Lord stood with me Mm -hmm. and strengthened me so that I may fully preach the word and all the Gentiles might hear. So I was rescued from the lion's mouth. Uh, Certainly God created us to be in relationship with others, and it's part of who we are as humans that that is a big component of us. But if any relationship reaches the degree of, I need it, and it's on the same level as that of Christ, it becomes codependent and idolatrous. What we want to do is enjoy and experience the intimacy and, and uh, of vitality that is relationships with other people, but only the Lord Jesus gets to the category of, if I don't have this relationship, everything falls apart.
1: Absolutely. Yeah.
0: Um all right, Steve, I, I think that an appropriate way to close down week uh, nine here of path nine. I would love to read uh, verse 18. I want to change the pronouns a little bit because I think it's true of Paul. I think it'll be true of us as well. If we continue life walking in the power of the spirit, I think 18 will be true. And it's a really encouraging verse that says the Lord will rescue us from every evil work and will bring us safely into his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Paul knew this to be true. This is not philosophical idealism. This is undeniably true. He's tasted it. He's lived it. God protected him and preserved him. And he finished.
1: Amen. Good words.